What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to, or watching as the case may be, Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me. But I kept the matter in my heart, and we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about these three different ways. I was talking to uh, an old gospel preacher, and I say old. I mean, this man has been preaching the gospel longer than I've been alive. And we were talking about some things, and I, I made the point that in certain matters where it seems like there are multiple decisions to make. There are multiple paths down which one could travel. The easiest thing to do is find the way that is right and cannot be wrong. And of course, that's opposite of the way that is wrong and cannot be right. And then he brought up, well, there is a way that seems right, but is absolutely wrong. And I'm like, that's got to be a gospel sermon. That's got to be a sermon that somebody somewhere has preached. Now, I know for a fact that someone in the past, some venerable old gospel preacher in the past, um, has preached a gospel sermon entitled, There is a way that cannot that, that is right and cannot be wrong. All right? There is a way that is right and cannot be wrong. Bear with me just a minute. Um, I need to... Boy, it's been so long since I've done this. Yeah. Oh, good grief. It's too, it's too much trouble. All right. I was going to try to mute some notifications. If you hear dinging in the background, you're just going to have to hear dinging in the background. I can't figure out how to do it on the fly. Now, let me get in here to the chat. Good to see everybody. As you're rolling in, we're out, we are going an hour earlier today because I've got some stuff I've got to do later. I've got to run a bunch of errands. And uh, yeah. So there is a way that is right and cannot be wrong. I wish I knew uh, the old gospel preacher that that uh, preached that sermon the first time, but um, we're just going to go with what we have for today. Uh, let me turn your attention to the bottom left of the of the screen. Contact Lindsay, Lindsay Faye Dotson at gmail.com. She is a sponsor for this program. Are you part of a church congregation seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Well, look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches. Whether it's flyers, podcasts, or social media graphics, Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook or send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate far and wide. Contact Lindsay Faye Dotson today. Folks, uh, we, we are so happy to have her as a sponsor. And she does a really good job. The Riverview Church of Christ has used her. The Washington Avenue Church of Christ has used her. And I believe the Nettleton Church of Christ has used her. And uh, we really like her work. Now, if you are interested in being a monetary supporter of the podcast, you can look on the bottom uh, third. There's www.nearchurches at gmail.com. You can send support directly to PayPal. Or if you'll look in the show notes, there's buy me a coffee and Patreon, and uh, you will get some access to some behind the scenes stuff. But if you really want to help us out as much as possible 
and you don't feel like you're able to do any kind of monetary donation, Substack is a free subscription. It's free to subscribe to Understanding the Times on uh, Instagram, uh, Christianity Now streams on YouTube, Christianity Now on Facebook, and Christianity Now on Rumble. Now let's get right into the meat of our podcast. I'm so thankful for all of you that have tuned in. Uh, here we go. Let me let me get to the uh, let me get to the article that we're going to look at today. Um, three paths. Now, the article that we're going to be looking at today is actually behind a paywall. It's behind a paywall on uh, Christianity Now. So let's let's get into this. Three paths distinguishing between right and wrong, and the seemingly right. So distinguishing between the right, the wrong, and the seemingly right. The concept of ways or paths is a recurring motif in religious, philosophical, and ethical literature, illustrating choices we encounter in life. In the biblical context, this theme can be traced to the wisdom literature, particularly in the book of Proverbs. So, there is a way that is right and cannot be wrong, or excuse me, a way that is wrong rather, and cannot be right. So we're going to work from the least desirable to the most desirable. So the way that is wrong and cannot be right. The first way is one that is inherently wrong and cannot be made right. In fact, to the Christian, it cannot even be rationalized. This path can be likened to the path of the wicked mentioned in Proverbs 4, 14 through 15. Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not into the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. Let me tell you something. Do you think the Bible can be any more emphatic? In, in, in Holy Writ, during the time of the writing, there was, no, uh, there was no exclamation point. There was no bold. There was no all caps that, that can be perceived as being emphatic or yelling. So if you wanted to say something and be very emphatic, you said the same thing, but, in, but twice, in a different, once in a different way. So enter not into the path of the wicked, all right? Enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. That's already a parallel that is, that is used for being emphatic. And then the next sentence, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. That's three, no, avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, pass away. That is four ways of saying the same thing. Do you think scripture is being emphatic here? So here, the abomination is unequivocal. The path is wrong. Avoid it at all cost. No good can come from it. I tell you what I think of. I think of the psalmist, and every one of you listening knows exactly where I'm going. I'm just going to read six verses. The first psalm. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor setteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Folks, 
There is a way that is wrong and it cannot be right. This path is reminiscent of the broad way that leads to destruction. Remember Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. The way is not only wrong, but it also leads to a catastrophic end. Consider the path of criminal activity just in our secular world, such as theft, fraud, violent behavior, as an example of a way that is wrong and cannot be right. This choice only leads to personal harm, but it not only leads to personal harm individually, but also harms others, and it destabilizes society. The actions violate both legal and ethical norms. Regardless of how one may try to rationalize or justify these acts, they remain fundamentally wrong. I go all the way back to Genesis chapter 4. Cain had just killed Abel. God had tested Cain. Where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? And God basically says, why art thou wroth? And why is thou thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, will it not be accepted of thee? And if thou doest not well, then sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire. Folks, if we walk down those paths that are wrong and cannot be right, then there is nothing waiting at the end but chaos and death. Well, let's talk about this way that seems right. Now, this is clearly the most dangerous path because it seems right. You know, if you were traveling, I remember, I remember this, this, I was younger, it's probably been 20 years ago, and I was traveling and I, I went on Highway 412 that runs between Dyersburg and Jackson. I got off on an exit in the middle of that, and then I, I, I went the wrong way when I got back on. I was very young, and I'm trying to remember the markers. Anyway, it, it, I felt like I was going the right way. It seemed like I was going the right way. But the longer I went, I come to the realization, oh, well, my destination is wrong. Like I, I backtracked like 30 minutes. If I would have gotten on that Highway 412 and there would have been a big sign that says, hey, dummy, Tony, you're going the wrong way. Jackson is the other way. Well, that then if I would have decided to keep going, like, you know, there, there's, there's not a lot of, I mean, you wouldn't feel very badly for me. Like you kind of, like, come on, dude, you saw the sign, right? But how long do people go down a road that is wrong and they don't even know it? And they go down that road because it seems right. I think about, and I've said this before, like going out and door knocking. I like door knocking in the slums, in the ghettos, in the trailer parks, in the poor parts of the city on the quote-unquote other side of the tracks because I like going to people who actually need something. Because if you go to the rich part of town, if you go to the right side of the tracks, if you go to the affluent sections of the city, well, those people don't need anything. And it's hard to get them to, to be convinced they need Jesus. 
Well, they're going down a road that seems right to them. This way is treacherously deceptive. Again, it appears right, but it ultimately leads to ruin. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Incidentally, go to Proverbs 16, you'll find that exact same verse. Do you think the Bible is trying to tell us something? So this seemingly right path is often adorned with the trappings of worldly wisdom, success, or momentary pleasure. However, its end is spiritual death. Such a path may lead or may be difficult to identify because it disguises itself well, appealing to our base desires of flawed logic. It requires discernment to unveil its true nature, calling to mind the admonition of the Hebrews writer in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. But strong meat belong to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Folks, many people embark on careers or lifestyles driven solely by the desire for financial gain or social status, believing that these to these to, believing these to be the markers of a successful life. At first glance, this path may not seem may, may may seem not only acceptable, but also advisable, given societal values that often equate wealth and status with success. I think about how we kind of do this with churches. Well, there's a town with a with a church that's practicing right religion, pure religion, and undefiled before God and the Father. There's a congregation or a church in town that is worshiping God in spirit and in truth and they may have 40 or 50 or 60 members. Then there's another church down there that's not doing what it's supposed to, and it has 300 members. But the perception is the bigger church is more successful. Well, in whose eyes? Not in the eyes of God. So an exclusive focus on this outward sign or material uh and worldly gain can lead to spiritual and emotional emptiness, broken relationships, or even moral compromise. And of course, once you have offered vain worship, you've been morally compromised. In extreme cases, the relentless pursuit of wealth at the expense of ethical considerations can lead to catastrophic outcomes, such as the numerous cases of white-collar crimes that have led to the downfall of entire corporations and communities. And let me explain what I mean by white-collar crime. It's a crime of misappropriation of funds. Go look at Congress, and there is a a subreddit or, or, or a website or something where you can follow people in Congress and you can invest in the companies they invest with because they pick better investments than financial analysts such as Warren Buffett. Why do you think that is? It's because they're corrupt, folks. So, there is a way that seems right, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Folks, this one is the most dangerous by far. So, the the way that is wrong and cannot be right is not as dangerous because, like, it's simple. It's easy. Like, you can look at that and you say, ooh, right there. There's the bad guy. It's kind of like the devil. The devil doesn't come at you with 
with being red with horns and a pointy beard and a pitchfork. That's not the way the devil does. The devil comes, 2 Corinthians, as an angel of light. The devil doesn't want you to have these red flags. The devil doesn't want you to immediately feel like something is off. The devil wants you to think, oh, this is the right way. But the way that seems right is a way that ends in death. Harriet Tubman once said that she could have saved more slaves if only they had known they were slaves. And that has always stuck with me in evangelism. Freedom doesn't always look free to people. You got that right. And, and Phillips, uh, Carmen, uh, uh, Philip S. Carmen, I think of in uh, the jungle, you have this beautiful lion. But he's living a brutal life. He is 100% free. And I think of the lion that is in a cage. He doesn't have to hunt. He lives a life of leisure, but he is not free. Which would you rather have? It looks on the surface, well, why in the world would you not want to live where you're taken care of? You know where they take care of you? You know where they protect you and provide three squares, three hots and a cot? In prison. I don't want to be in prison. I want to be free. So it's very good. Whenever, whenever I, I think about that, when I think about door knocking in certain, in the affluent parts of town, you people are like the folks in Laodicea. You have plenty of gold, but you're poor, you're destitute. You, you have, uh, you have 20, 20 vision, but you're actually spiritually blind and you have the finest raiment, but you're actually, your garments are moth eaten. You're, you're, you're sick to the Lord. It makes you want to puke you out of his mouth. All right. Good comment. Hello, Jason Goldtrap. Good to see you. Now let's get into, this is the way that is right and cannot be wrong. The final way or the final way is the right path embodying truth, righteousness, and leading to life. This is the path described in Proverbs 12, 28 in the way of righteousness is life. And in the pathway thereof, there is no death. The path, this path rather, is also what Jesus alludes to in John 14, 6, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This path, while challenging, is illuminated by divine guidance. Think about it. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Therefore, adhering to divine instructions can keep one on the correct path, offering spiritual sustenance leading to eternal life. Taking this path of service to others, or excuse me, taking the path of service to others underpinned by a set of ethical principles is an example of a way that is right and cannot be wrong. Service to others can manifest in various forms, whether it's a career in healthcare, education, social worker, more generally, a life devoted to altruism and community involvement. Now, this is talking about your, this is, this is not simply your spiritual life. You understand that your physical and your spiritual affect one another. So if you want to walk down the path that is right and cannot be wrong, there are some 
things in your secular world you want to make sure of. So pick a career that aligns with your final destination. And one of the ways to do that is a a life of servitude. Again, whether it's a career in healthcare, education, social work, or more generally, a life devoted to altruism and community involvement. This path aligns with moral and ethical principles that are universally lauded as virtuous and beneficial both to the individual and society. It often brings a sense of fulfillment and peace that material gains cannot offer, exemplifying a life well-lived according to ethical and spiritual principles. Back in 2000, a lion broke out of his cage in Kissimmee, Florida. She was a third-generation captive lion. There was a massive search. Uh, with police and helicopters. Two days later, in the middle of the night, she crawled back into her cage and fell asleep. The next morning, she was very hungry. The zoo determined she had not eaten anything for 48 hours. Isn't that sad? Trust and obey some of my lady's last words on her deathbed. This is a way that is right and cannot be wrong. Of course, our brother said, this is a way that cannot be wrong. Trust and obey. That's it. I think about Solomon's Ecclesiastes, his letter. His, his, I've got mixed emotions about Solomon's final destination. I'm not sure that he repented in the last days. That's, a, that's, a, that's an academic pursuit. It's possible that the, letter, that, that, that the book of Ecclesiastes is his confession and is marked is a marker of his repentance. I'm I'm willing to entertain that. But the point is, sorry, I, I chase rabbits too much. The point is, Solomon starts off, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Nothing matters. If you're rich, you're going to die and you're not going to take anything with you. If you're wise, you're going to die and your wisdom's not going to save you. You can't add anything to your life by wisdom or riches. And in fact, if you've got wisdom, riches, a kingdom, and everything, when you die, it's going to be left to a fool that's probably going to squander it. No meaning, no purpose. How do we do this? Well, Solomon didn't realize, but he was walking down that path that seemed right, but ultimately it led to destruction because there was nothing at the end of it. Solomon didn't walk down a path that was wrong and could not be justified. He was very successful. The queen of Sheba herself said, look, the half was not told. The, the Bible in, in, in that account literally means that it, her, her, her breath, she was breathtaking. It took her breath. Solomon's grandeur took her breath away. But Solomon said towards the end of his life, The real vanity is a life lived devoid of service to the highest possible good one can conceive. For this is the whole of man that we trust and obey. You serve God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole of man. folks. This path aligns with moral and ethical principles that are universally lauded as as virtuous and beneficial both to the individual and to society. It often brings a sense of fulfillment and peace 
that material gains cannot prop, cannot offer, exemplifying a life well lived according to ethical and spiritual principles. I remember my dad laying in that hospital bed in Paducah, Kentucky. He was like six and a half odd years into a five-year cancer. He had multiple myeloma. And he had shingles, y'all, from his head to the from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Reminded me of Job. And I'm not I don't think Job had shingles. I think he had boils. But the principle applies. If anybody if any of you have ever had shingles, you know how rough it is. Knock on wood, not that I'm superstitious. But I've never gotten shingles. My wife has, and I know how bad it was on her. I probably gave them to her. I probably stressed the poor woman out. That woman needs a special, that woman deserves a special place in heaven for putting up with me for all these years. And if we, if we go the way of all the earth and live to a ripe old age, she's going to have to put up with me about as long from here to now. She has from then till now. Anyway, I digress. My daddy was laying there and he, he wanted me to pray and he wanted to pray. So he wanted the room to be cleared and we want to be just me and him. So I prayed, and I've, I'll, I'll tell this story, and I'll put it on repeat till the day I die, folks. I prayed. I was, I was a second-year student coming to the end of Memphis School of Preaching, and I prayed the quote-unquote perfect prayer. It had a beginning. It had a middle. It had an end, and it had a, an amen, and it addressed God, and it gave praise first. I mean, I did it exactly the way you're supposed to do it, and it was a good prayer. And then it was my daddy's turn and his breath was so labored and he was so weak. And I remember he goes, a deep inhale because he had to gather some momentum. And he didn't say our father who art in heaven. He said, oh God. And he said it just like that. And I'm not going to imitate him for the podcast but I'm going to tell you what he said. He said, Oh God, if I could ask one thing at this, the end of my life and be guaranteed an answer, I would ask you why. Now at this point, I was thinking my poor old dad, man, he's really going through because he's going to ask why me. It's not what he asked folks. He said, I would ask why. Why have you chosen me for so many blessings? Why have you blessed me beyond all of my fellows, beyond everybody that I know? I'm so thankful for what you have done, and please continue to keep my family. And the rest I'm going to keep to myself. but. Folks, that is a man who walked down the path of the way that is right. Alexander the Great was not that bold at the end of his life as my daddy was at the end of his. Can you be so bold? I pray to God that if I live to the age of my daddy was when he died, that on my, and incidentally, my daddy didn't die. He rallied 
And he, he was real. I think he was really, really trying to live long enough to see me graduate from Memphis School of Preaching. And he didn't miss it, but about a month. He almost made it. But he rallied and was and, and lived for about two and a half months after that. After that after that time he was in Paducah. The doctors had called us in. Anyway, I sorry, I got off the anyway. Um you can't be that bold unless you've walked the path that is right and cannot be wrong. I don't think Christians are supposed to walk around with the deflated chest and hunched shoulders and crouching around, slinking around. I think we're supposed to be bold in the Lord. And the only way you can be bold in the Lord is to walk down the path that is right and cannot be wrong. Yep, that's all I'm going to say about that. The conclusion of the article, life presents multiple pathways. There is a path that is undoubtedly wrong. Stay away from it. There's one that only seems right. Well, stay away from that one too. But the other is unequivocally right. Discernment, my brethren, is crucial to navigating these options. And it comes from a life steeped in wisdom and biblical understanding. Wisdom helps us avoid the path that is wrong and identifies the one that only seems right. With divine guidance. Now, I'm not talking about magical info downloaded from God through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about divine insight, this book right here. Study to show yourself to prove an, excuse me, study. Y'all, I went real redneck there for about three seconds. Study to show yourselves approved unto God, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. Folks, do you want to live a life guided by God in accordance with his divine guidance? You got to spend time in this book here. You know, this book is so small, relatively speaking. Check this out. This is a New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs. How long, and listen, I'm, this is the pot calling the kettle black right here. How long would it take you to memorize this? Think about it. Now, I haven't memorized it, so that's like me, you know, it's me being hypocritical a little bit. I'm, I'm speaking to me right here. You could memorize this whole book if you spent, what, a year? Could you, could you memorize it in five years? Every, there's not a gospel preacher alive that has an excuse for not knowing as much scripture as like Johnny Ramsey or Garland Elkins or Thomas B. Warren. I've, I've heard, I've heard Garland Elkins. We were in, we were in class with Garland Elkins and he had his little old Bible and he had it, he had it held. He, he always, he would always hold it on his fingertips like this. And he, this time he had it upside down. The way we knew he had it upside down is because of this little tassel, this marker. And he quote unquote, read a chapter from the book of Acts. And then he does this number and holds it in his other hand. And he says, now I, I read that in the King James, but I rather like the way it's rendered in the American standard. And he quote unquote, read another, the, uh, the same chapter in the American standard. Um, and of course we were just like, there's no way we could ever do that. And the fact of the matter is we had more time left in our lives than Garland Elkins had in his. And we, 
have the same amount of hours in the day, we could absolutely do that. Now, why did I get started talking about that? I think it's because discernment is crucial to navigating these three paths. Wisdom helps us to avoid the path that is wrong and identifies the one that only seems right. So divine guidance is how we can stay on the path that is not just right, but also life-giving, fulfilling both our earthly journey and our eternal destiny. And the only way we get divine guidance is to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that is not to be ashamed, rightly dividing, or handling aright the word of truth, folks. Just act right and do right. Well, how do you know what's the standard of acting right and doing right? The Bible. The, the Bible. Read the Bible. And I'm going I'm to leave you with an example. Praying to Jesus. People ask me all the time, Tony, is it a sin to pray to Jesus? Well, my response is, what do you mean by sin? What do you mean by pray? And what do you mean by to? And what do you mean by Jesus? And they say, well, Tony, I don't understand why you're asking that. And my response then very lovingly is, well, good sister, good brother, if you don't understand what I'm asking, then we probably need to have a conversation about something else first. Then we can have this conversation. And that's typically good enough for people, but sometimes folks press. So here's my answer. Is it a sin to pray to Jesus? If by pray, you mean simply addressing, then I think we need to scripturally identify what prayer is, okay? Because even the heathen, they understand certain things. They understand the roles of a hierarchy, a role of a government, and, and the church is a kingdom with a government. Jesus is the king of the, of the kingdom of earth, God is sitting on the throne as Almighty. We come before God the Father through Jesus the Son. However, the heathen also know that even the convicted criminal is allowed to confer with his lawyer. So if I'm walking down the road and I see a beautiful uh, landscape and I say, you know what? Jesus, I am so thankful that you died on that cruel cross so that I might have the opportunity to take in the wonders of God's creation. Thank you so much for doing that. I don't think that I'm in sin, but I also do not believe I have, quote unquote, prayed the way the Bible defines praying in a very pedantic, specific, non-nuanced sense. Now, an easier answer, is it a sin to pray to Jesus? There is a way that is right, and it cannot be wrong. You may tell you the way that's right and cannot be wrong. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. Ephesians chapter 5 giving thanks always for all things unto God in the name of Jesus. And in Colossians 3, whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. We, we give thanks to God, we pray to God by the authority of Jesus. So there's a way that is right and it cannot be wrong. 
Now, I don't believe if I talk to my lawyer, Jesus is my lawyer, he's my advocate, 1 John 2, I don't think I'm in sin. But I also know that I'm never, ever going to start a prayer, a formal prayer with dear Jesus. Because there is a way that is right and it cannot be wrong. So that's just some food for thought, okay? Uh, Agree totally. We must pray to God through Jesus. Amen. Knowledge is no use if we don't acquire wisdom on how to use our knowledge. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and again, I, I hope nobody writes me off as a heretic because I say, hey, Christian, you have a you have an accuser that's trying to accuse you in 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 the higher court of the spiritual realm, but you also have a lawyer, an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, and you can absolutely confer with your advocate. But when you pray, Pray to God the Father through Christ the Son. But I will tell every one of you this here. I talk to my lawyer on a regular basis. I hope that doesn't make you think less of me. And I will defend that to my dying day. All right. There is a way that is right that cannot be wrong. There is a way that seems right that ends in death. And there is a way that is wrong and it is not right. Jason, I'm going to push back there. Stephen did not pray to Jesus. That was not a prayer. That is nothing that you and I can. And and Brother Wayne Jackson cites that in in one of his articles and a lot of his writings. It's just not a prayer in Acts chapter seven. Um, it it doesn't it doesn't meet any of the criteria for prayer. It's a one off situation. It cannot be used in the debate of whether or not we can pray to Jesus. It's just not. It's just not. It's uh, yeah. Stephen did not pray to Jesus. That's that's um, that's incontrovertible. Uh, Jesus was there. He saw Jesus. If if Jesus is standing in front of me and I speak to him, that's not praying. That's just talking to him. Um, I do most of my my well, excuse me. I do most of my prayer when I go to bed. I would often fall asleep before I finish with the name of Jesus. So now I start my prayer with Heavenly Father, and I come before you in the name of the, my Savior, Jesus Christ. That's good. And incidentally, um, I heard of a story, and, and again, this, when, I, when I tell these stories, I try to qualify them. So this story is potentially apocryphal. In other words, it might not be true. It might just be an apocryphal story, and I can't remember but there was a there was a venerable gospel preacher from the past who talking about this concept he said i pray throughout the whole day so when i wake up in the morning i address my heavenly father how did he put it? i can't remember how he put it now oh well that's what i get for trying to talk on the fly um but it was something to the effect of I, I start the I start the day, you know, I start the day addressing God, and I never end the prayer until late at night. So yeah, I I butchered that. So y'all just forget that I said anything. Anyway, good stuff. I am so thankful for all of the listeners. I'm so thankful for y'all that tuned in. Remember, there are three ways. There's three paths, and you know what? You may think of more paths, but I'm thinking. You know, these three paths, there's a, there's a way that is wrong and cannot be right. You got to avoid that one. There's a way that seems right 
but it ends in death. You've got to avoid that one. But the way that is right and cannot be wrong, if you spend enough time in this book right here, you'll be able to find that path every single time. And you'll be able to stay on it. That is my prayer for all of you today, for me as well. God bless you. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations. If you like what we do and you want to support us, uh, you send. Well, I, I left this up the entire time. I didn't mean to do that. Anyway, um, you can send a PayPal to nearchurches at gmail.com or you can be do a buy me a coffee or a whatever it is, um, Patreon. And I want to put join the Christianity Now Facebook group. There's a Facebook group, and I just started it, and it's very, very small. We're trying to slowly build it off the ground, but it's different than the We Talk Truth group. The We Talk Truth group is private. You, I don't even know if you can find it. If you search for it, you've got to be added to it. But it's very heavily moderated and curated. The Christianity Now Facebook group is not going to be as curated or moderated. Now, it is going to be moderated some. I mean, I mean we got to, to keep it being from, from being taken over by heathens. But it's going to be moderated and curated very little compared to the We Talk Truth group. And I'm curious to see how big this grows. Hopefully, it grows very, very large, and we can funnel people from the We Talk Truth group to the live streams and to our Substack. So, and to, to, um, to, uh, subscribers on YouTube. But anyway, that's all I've got. All right. This has been Tony Bruce Cogitations. I really appreciate everybody. Remember, subscribe, like, share, all that good stuff. And, uh, Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify, TuneIn Radio is where you can find the archive to this podcast. And that's all we've got. This has been Tony Bruce Cogitations, and we will catch you on the flip side.